0: On this week's episode of The Digest Show, we're doing our first foray into television. It took a while, but honestly, for me personally, the decision was easy. We've chosen to do a deep dive into 90s darling network sitcom gold, one of my favorite shows of all time, Mad About You, starring Helen Hunt and one of my personal saviors, Paul Reiser. Josh, I'm fucking pumped!
1: Uh, uh, um, well,
0: <sighs> what's up, what's going
1: on, you ready? Well, we were s- supposed to be doing Whiplash, I mean, Paul Riser is in Whiplash, but, the, wait, the drumming movie? The Little Drummer Boy movie? Yeah.
0: I, I could have sworn we decided on Mad About You, like, a week ago. Mad About You, man, classic. <laughs> no fucking way okay so little drummer boy that's what we're Uh,
1: doing yeah i've never even seen mad about you
0: fuck i don't know which one of us is fucking up more in this situation
1: okay well cue the fucking
0: music okay now that everybody's on the same page We've decided that, in fact, Paul Reiser is invited today to 2015 Damien Chazelle Whiplash. Man, oh man, we got a hot one today, buddy. Aptly titled, Whiplash. This one's about music, this one's about pedagogy, this one's about expectation and drive and ambition, it's about jazz, it's about color, it's about good and evil. Good and, and evil. Yeah. It's gonna be good. All right, you got the back in the box this week, man. So I flip got it you. over. Join us on the back of the DVD as we do an overview of the film before we do our deep dive. Whether you've never seen the film this week before or it's been a minute like it was for us. Take it away, my man.
1: Andrew Neiman is an ambitious young jazz drummer in pursuit of rising to the top of his elite music conservatory. Terrence Fletcher an instructor known for his terrifying teaching methods discovers Andrew and transfers the inspiring drummer into a top jazz ensemble forever changing the young man's life. But Andrew's passion to achieve perfection quickly spirals into obsession as his ruthless teacher pushes him to the brink of his ability and his sanity.
0: That's a pretty succinct description of the film. So basically what we have here is a green, but ambitious young music student goes in to uh, a Juilliard type setting, hoping to set the world on fire and become one of the greats. Unfortunately, he runs into a fucking buzzsaw and his teacher takes him to devastating lows and fucking dizzying highs to say the least. And it's, this film is about that journey for this artist. Ultimately, in my opinion, uh, uh, culminating in him, achieving said greatness and we're gonna have that much longer discussion today about the film that was a pretty succinct back of the box right
1: yeah no for sure and i I, to kind of jump on what you just said i would say he ran maybe he ran into what he had to run into to get where he wanted to go and i think that is definitely gonna be at the core of what we talk about today so yeah who needed who right
0: yeah it's gonna be a good one So uh, we had another personal revelation about our first memories of this film, why we chose it. This is easy to choose uh, in the same vein as uh, Greta Gerwig, a young director that we've talked about. This is Damien Chazelle's debut, um, adapted from a short film he created to get financing for the feature-length film at Sundance Film Festival. Um, But again, debut film for this young man. Young man, he's our age. Um, Older? He's only had older how old like five years older
1: yeah like 35 34 something like that
0: so very exciting to pick that author uh, that director rather and this first viewing really stuck with us why don't you share the memory we realized that we both had
1: yeah we watched together it was like um you know um one of those houses that have been in uh, in our 10-year friendship, you know, there have been those, those houses that we've found ourselves hanging out in. Either both of us lived in, one of us lived in, so and so forth. So we were in one of those houses in 2015. And I don't even remember who picked this up, who rented it, who whatever. Uh, but someone yeah. brought it into the house and it found me with with my partner and you with yours and other friends all in the living room just watching this movie. And I remember going down to the garage basement after and talking about it for probably an hour and 15 minutes after after it fucking finished. I mean, it was Yeah. None of us knew anything about it. And that's those are my favorite fucking movie experiences when you don't know anything about what you're really getting into and you watch it and you're like, "Holy shit. This is intense."
0: I take your word for it that we didn't know anything about it. You seem to remember uh, circumstantial uh, memories better than I do. Um, but I can imagine if I did happen to see the the trailer of it on YouTube or something, I bet this movie has a kick-ass fucking trailer. And if I had seen it, I would have been like, uh, darkly lit, music, intensity, blood, sweat, tears. Yes, I'm in.
1: Yeah, and, and who knows? Hey, maybe maybe your memories are sparking the truth maybe. of the situation. Maybe you saw the trailer and was like, hey, let's watch this movie. I mean, who knows? I, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, Could be. But it's cool when
0: we find films to do that we shared together for the first time.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then since I'll just say like after watching it and like absorbing the film, like I realized there are a lot of parallels between the education that I had, you know, and you know, similar things for you going through music and school and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a neat film for those reasons.
0: Yeah. You've, you've studied visual art and I've studied music um, and we both with this story maybe not just in those senses which we'll talk about those parallels but expectation and being an ambitious artist Um, that's going to be a big part of today's show and it's it kind of reminds me of the almost famous episode we had a little sidestep into musicality and ownership and authorship and i think that's going to be a a piece of the text that will be addressed today
1: yeah yeah
0: so this film in a lot of ways is really a simple film um and for us as far as performances and personalities imposed upon the story that we're we're watching. It's a three dog race, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. There are definitely three main figures in this presences, if you will.
0: I'm not gonna let Paul Riser go. He's a close fourth, right?
1: Yeah. It's like a yeah, I think he can make a, a case for uh oh sweet Melissa, superwoman, I think. I don't I don't know if that's correct, but Mm, I think so.
0: So, The Three Dog Race is comprised of director Damien Chazelle, actor Miles Teller, and artiste J.K. Simmons.
1: Ah, nicely put.
0: So we thought we'd start with the director. We've already touched on a little DC already, but his presence is is undeniable in this film. It's a reflection of his own experiences studying drums in a very intensive collegiate um, circumstance self is a jazz drummer. We were talking about that last night and I'm glad that we clarified that that is in fact the case. I was I was wrong. Uh, oh no,
1: you were right. Hot take to start off. Wait, what? I got like four more hours of special features under my belt and you were 100% right. It was Princeton High School. Very good. Oh, okay. So you were 100% right. I don't know why I picked up that he studied at a collegiate level.
0: Oh, okay. Well, it was oh. cool to see on Little interviews that I watched, the the dude can hit the skins. Oh yeah, he's a good. He's I mean, he's no he's no joke for sure. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. He was busting exactly. out a little like soft version of Caravan. What I saw, and it was just like oh shit. Uh oh, yeah. Uh huh. But you know, he's only had three feature films, correct? First Man, La La Land, and this first one, Whiplash. And all of his films, you know, First Man is obviously a historical uh, look back at, a, at an event and a character, but They're all very, very personal. They're all very intimate, the way the camera's shot. And his his cinematography, I don't know, I I, I love reading about his DP on this film. I don't know if it's the same. Surely it's not the same for La La Land. But um, he works very uh, hand-in-hand with the color and the lighting of his films. Mm -hmm. He's got a signature already, which Mm -hmm. we talked a lot about that with Greta Gerwig, maybe more so with her writing, but with his vibe and his palette. It's it's very apparent that the guy is confident and knows what he's doing, and it's cool when you see a director make such a personal story, which this one is. He's all over this film.
1: Yeah, he, he is, and you you know he's he's definitely developed a like a signature kind of a vibe, um, undeniable in La La Land um, personally, uh, but I've never I've never seen First Man. So, and I I want to, I don't know, it's one of those movies that, I, I don't know, like, I, I, sidebar, like, no joke, now that we don't have, like, video stores, and all the movies are, like, available on different platforms, it's hard yeah. to, like, sometimes you hear about a movie and you really want to watch it, and if you don't catch it while it's in theaters, like, getting hype, then it can go in this, like, black hole place where you just never come across it again and I think first man was one of those for me so
0: first man's totally a, like a movie store movie yeah like it's it's got I think it got pushed away there's some stupid fucking controversy about it but it sounds like Ryan Gosling on the cover it's music is also a vital piece of that film La La Land obviously I think so far as his like his like baby child like he wanted to make a musical yeah, and his his passion for for music is also obviously very apparent in this film. The dude loves jazz and music, and he understands how intense and personal that journey is. And it, I love his relationship with it. I think it'll be an ever-present facet of of his films, like forever.
1: Yeah, I it's I don't think he will be able to separate. You know, kind of how like uh, you know David Lynch would never be able to separate the. The visual, the visual part of his mind from his films. I, if you, you know, having been of like a studied painter, I mean, if you are trained in that, how can you divorce the that from yeah the way yeah and and plus you can tell he's in like in love with jazz at least. I mean, yeah. at the bare minimum, you know, just
0: just I I don't mean to spoil, but First Man it's just a good example of what we're talking about. It, it, he uses there's a specific composer who was did a lot of the first like sci-fi films and like the theremin is very present in first man This like period piece serious film like he chooses to get like a very you know what i mean he he, it's an important facet of of how he makes film yeah Um, yeah it's just really interesting i'm just i'm again i'm excited stoked to see what this guy does
1: yeah and he's also got like a he's also another aspect that I pick up on from him is he's got like a, uh, like a classic movie vibe. Like you get Absolutely. the feeling like, and you know, that's, I don't want to have like an episode on La La Land, but briefly like that's the thing in La La Land that works so fucking well is that he almost like that, that, uh, black and white movie, silent movie, the artist that came out in like 20, uh, 2008. Yeah. You would say that, but, but it it You goes, love that it, movie. I fucking love that movie, of course. It goes for something and it gets it and he takes this musical and he makes it feel like like it used to but in a modern time. And and in Whiplash you get this feeling of like that he's in tune with classic movies. You know, the old the the Fre- Fred Astaire's, if you will, and and things like that. So Yeah,
0: I loved him referencing like they he wrote and shot this movie as if it was a thriller. And he talks about his love for mm-hmm. 70s films like that. Yep. And the intensity of the film is, you know, about the relationship between the two characters. Jazz in itself is an inherent art form. Um, and we talked a lot about his palette, his color choices and stuff. The editing is a big part of it. But the story and the way it's shot is is intense. And, yeah, and fuck it, right. And I loved him saying that, that he well, shot it and wrote it like a thriller. I just thought it was, it was smart.
1: Yeah, and and um, remind me. Try to remind me to reference that when we get because we're gonna talk about something a little later that absolutely picked up on that in cool. this film. Yeah,
0: I will try to remind you. Want to right,
1: it's a long <laughs> journey.
0: It is. Would you like to move on to uh, our first lead actor?
1: Yeah, let's do it,
0: Mister Miles Teller. Now I got to be honest. This is this is his second feature film. The first time I had ever seen him. After I saw this film, I was buying all of the Miles Teller stock. I was, like, hard up on this kid.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was everything from his look. Like, he had these natural scars and stuff. And he was a handsome, dark-haired kid. The way he he has this supple performance. The way he handles uh, his nuances of of naivety and, like, uh, gentleness and, like, being hurt and sensitive. But then the way he transitions into aggression and his, like, unflinching determination like what what a dynamic performance for such a young person to like have a foray into such an intense journey story you know i was just blown away by him and i don't he hasn't had the maybe the directory that a fan of films like i might want someone an actor of his caliber to have but still i first saw this i was all in on that dude
1: yeah i mean the guy is the guy is a hell of an actor there's no doubt about that um and he, you mentioned that face. I mean, he's got, he's got a face like you, like a Harrison
0: Fordy type thing going on. Well,
1: I'll even go further and say something like a, like a mix between like Gene Kelly and like fucking, um, right on the tip of my tongue. Damn it. Um, no, no, the star <laughs> of our, the star of, uh, couple of hitchcock carrie grant oh carrie grant yeah he's got a a classic thing yeah and the scar is absolutely and he he, it's like i don't know like somehow his face looks 20 years older but youthful at the same time yeah he's got a a square
0: jaw but he's got the cheeks and his like face is weathered and he's been through shit but he's obviously got still got a baby face he's just got a very signature classic kind
1: of look Yeah, and you know something I picked up on, and and was definitely reinforced in watching interviews and stuff about the you know about this is this movie really is a movie about uh, it's about faces, like because you really you every time something happens, every time a character like you know uh, grows in a certain way or, or moves in a certain way, you almost experience that through the reaction of other people. And Fletcher's presence is very much dependent upon Miles Teller's face being able to do Andrew.
0: This film is, we've used the word intimate and intense a lot, but when I say the word intimate, I, I think about the shots of our premieres, our you know, core performances, if you will. It, it's so tight on their bases, and especially in the last scene, which we're going to chew on for a long time, I hope. It's an exchange of of tight shots in these people's faces and the intensity that's going on. I read that Miles Teller, you know, they would do like especially in for instance in the last scene, which we'll get to, did like 140 set pieces for the camera. And Miles Teller said when he was performing these drum parts, he never knew where the camera was. And I and to watch the intensity that he shows while he's performing is so genuine, dude. And as someone who's performed music and you know uh delivered passion on a stage in front of people, it's so genuine and and impressive. And his yeah, his, it it would only be overshadowed by something like what JK Simmons puts in. Honestly. No
1: doubt. No doubt. Um and and to take on what to, to, to carry on what you were saying. I mean as someone who plays instruments not i am not a musician you know i'll be the first person to admit that no but you play
0: but, you play yeah I,
1: I, I like to try i like you know i can keep time on a couple of them and and You're not stuff a bad like drummer. that hey you know hey uh hey i may have even picked up the old sticks during this past week you know i got to set up a little inspo a uh, little yeah you know uh but um but there was a moment watching this movie uh for the first time where it's in it's at toward the end i think somewhere but he and also I've been around real like good musicians and including yeah. yourself, like living with someone who like literally picks up a guitar in the morning and drags the fucking thing around all day. And every time their ass is flat, the guitar is going. And it's like you see what that is. And and there is this moment he's playing drums and he go, he's keeping time, and you see his jaw tick, and he's like tap, tap, tap with his mouth, he's counting to him. He's feeling the fucking, and he flicks his fucking shoulder when he goes in. I'm like, this kid. Like, I knew then for the first time watching the movie, I was like, this guy knows how to play drums. And then it was super fucking cool to find out that he actually did get the chops in and like learned these drum rolls. And while what you hear in the film might might not be like what he's actually producing, he's I mean, playing. He's, he's, he's playing fucking, those rolls. Yeah. yeah, I think it's
0: I, I think it's a composite. And the percentage is highly Miles Teller, but it is a composite. And I, honestly, it doesn't fucking matter because he's acting. And one thing about his drumming performance that I, as we break the film down, I think we'll have an opportunity to highlight our favorite parts of it. But one thing I wanted to, to hit on is his shoulders. So like as a musician, every drummer like has a style. There's, you know, you could be 80s hair bandy and you're fucking flipping shit around or head banging. And you barely see the dude's face. Jazz drummers are fucking cool ass motherfuckers. They are. And they sit over the drums. Unlike any other drum style, a lot of times the individual drums are tilted. So these cats are fucking, you can't see me, but their shoulders are at like a slight angle and they're like hunched over in a very cool hip way. Fucking shut up. And he nails it. He looks natural on it. And he fucking crushes it. And honestly, his body evolves. Everything is a culmination in the last scene, and he looks cooler and cooler and more confident and, and more, more relaxed. Yeah. And as a drum, and as a drummer, you play better, the more relaxed. You are. There's everyone. Yeah. Everyone knows that. And he gets more and more relaxed. And I don't know if that's acting or that's just him training or comp- like a combination of both. But it's it's cool to watch throughout the progression of the film. I-
1: absolutely. And another scene of his that that probably won't necessarily get brought up later because it's kind of a quick little thing is, or a sequence is his, his first day in studio band, like that first fucking,
0: that oh, first. It's so hard
1: to watch like up until no, 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 no. Just up until when, well, maybe it's hard for you for some other reason, but I'm just saying like up until when Fletcher holds his hand up to start the very first note of the whole day, like that little sequence where he gets there early. Cause he's been fucking faked out and, So hard. And he's in the room and he's sitting there and he's just taking it all in. And then they the rest of the class like busts into that room with like all this sound. And it sounds like school. It sounds like that. It's it that's nailed. And they come in and they're all immediately like they're walking in four minutes early. They sit straight. It's like everything is so perfectly timed. They're they're tuning, they're all getting right. And then they, from the moment Fletcher walks in and holds his hand up, that that little bit. Miles Taylor's face is just... Overwhelmed. I mean, yeah, he's killing it. I mean, he's like, he really is... Like, I don't know. It's like a kid in a candy store, for lack of a better way to put it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he's like, literally, he's just giddy.
0: He's excited.
1: Yeah. It don't last long. No, it doesn't. No,
0: I, it doesn't. we're going to get there. But, woo! Yeah, I guess one last bit, because we want to keep moving. I'll tag onto that, if that's okay. Yeah. Is how... Naive he is when he thinks that Fletcher's on his side in that particular scene. He's got that smile, like, yeah, you know, you got my back. It's all good.
1: Yeah, his not na- his naivete is something that is beautifully portrayed in this role. Like, it's hard to watch.
0: It's hard to watch, but there's some the- cringe moments in this. There really are, especially in that scene. But and the way, but the way that Miles Teller's character Andrew progresses and handles fletcher does change and evolve oh, and and i yeah he yeah. busts he busts into fletcher's office no one else is gonna fucking do that shit he no. says fuck you to fletcher
1: yep he, he we're get we're getting we're definitely gonna get there i mean he turns yeah. into and in fact like let's just use th- that as like a pivot into because really the last thing i'll say about miles teller uh Unlike a Paul Dano that we've mentioned before in this season, this dude does his job holding his own with, with the fucking power that is J.K. Simmons. And like in some of those later scenes, the dude is fucking bringing it like big time.
0: You, you might say he earned it.
1: You might say he earned it.
0: <clears throat> that brings us to
1: the insurance salesman,
0: <laughs> State Farm.
1: All-Star, it, right? Or
0: whoever. Uh, the uh, dude from Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, take all that shit and throw it out the fucking yes. window. Yes, Put you your seatbelt on. Make sure you took a Xanax if you need one. Yep. If you had any traumatizing teacher-oriented experiences in the past, you might want to make an appointment with your therapist. Yep. Because it's about to get fucking lit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, can hey. I just say... J.K. Simmons in this role, like, you know, a sports term, swinging for the fences. I'm gonna say, going for goat, dude. He is going for greatest of all time. And like, what a fucking character or like role actor. Like this dude has like been around for fucking ever. He's done everything in any range. And like, like in the mid late of his career, just powerhouse. Like wins an oh, Academy Award.
0: Oh. Wins an yes. Academy Award.
1: Yes. And I and think... deservedly so!
0: Dude, his... Mm, we're gonna have a heart... I just get so excited. Me too! I, Me too! Because it's such an incredible performance. Everything from, you know, him screaming, fucking, what do you think I am? Or do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you? To the lighting that Damien Chazelle imposes, how it plays on J.K. Simmons's face. Yep. I, just the way you see his fucking molars when he's in Andrew's face screaming is fucking mm-hmm. terrifying.
1: The way he throws a- he comes in the room and takes his hat off and his earbuds out and then puts his jacket on the coat rack from the back, brings it around the and folds the collar and brings his hand down. It's it's it it's a Im- Has it's- This man killed somebody. Has this man killed somebody? You- well, well getting- I'll tell you one thing. To play this role, I don't know if he got in he got in shape or whatever, but he's so he, like, like he will whoop your ass. Like he lo- like when he says, Don't you fucking sabotage my van, it's like he could pull you up, yank you up, and fucking throw you out the door. Like he—he's capable.
0: It's almost one of those things, performing or not, where you want people to believe that. And I, and J.K. Simmons is like, yeah, I'm going on a diet. I'm hitting the fucking gym, and I'm gonna look into. I'm I'm gonna.
1: You can talk the talk, but if I'm gonna look like I could fucking kick your ass. So okay, so okay, he picked his wardrobe. I'm sure you probably came across that too, right? So the I, mean, the, I
0: guess that he just bought every black t shirt, tight black t shirt he could find.
1: Well, the black t shirt was his idea specifically, but like originally, so he they kinda yeah, stuck, been in the gym. He wanted to show the guns off, baby. Well, they kind of stuck with the same wardrobe from the short film, right? And and basically um, they didn't have a budget. So J.K. JK Simmons just basically wore what he thought, like, from his own wardrobe, like, what he thought this character would wear. So they stuck with it, yada, yada. Um, Damien Chazelle said, like, the way he looked with those high-waisted slacks on and that, like, really tight black T-shirt – he said he got he gave off this like sinister Fred Astaire vibe, and I would I could not unsee it after the way he's conducting in some of those scenes, and he's so elegant and show, he looks like a dancer.
0: You know, he what does. I mean?
1: He does. He he really does. He's got like a V shape. Yeah, he, and he, he's killing it. Yeah, there's there's Satan vibes. There there is. I mean, there are Satan vibes. He's but,
0: dressed in all black. He's venomous but he's also charming and cunning. I love that JK Simmons went full fucking bald for it. I well, forgot I forgot he fucking wasn't until watching interviews and stuff. He, he
1: wears it, it well but I think yeah about the about the, the black and the, the Satan I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I was so kind of surprised to learn that really there was a little bit of inspiration for DC from uh, old Star Wars. Okay. The black, like, like kind of like a Darth Vader, and like also we'll get there, but in some of the more pivotal scenes later, all of a sudden Andrew's shirt gets darker until he's wearing black when they're like battling each other. And uh, I, I, it, I it's love a it. little, and he, he like, he was like little film geek moments, like, you know, I couldn't help it, but it's like, yeah, he referenced that. So I thought that was fun. I mean, you I know, think that's a,
0: I think that's so fucking cool.
1: I and mean, the, and the other teacher
0: let's just uh mm. as we're still mm. talking about simmons mm. let's do a little juxtaposition yes his, his room is genial and light and cool and guess what he's wearing
1: what what is like some like he's wearing white yeah oh is it white, white? his it's, no it's, it's light it's light yeah, his room it's is it's, yeah. everybody's chilling fucking
0: yeah. comedy's over there cutting it up like and then this motherfucker this other teacher must hate fletcher Oh, the way Fletcher just yes. busts in both doors, hitting the wall, just interrupts this man's classroom.
1: Looks over his material for a moment on the podium, and then just goes, "Cute." I mean, like, how condescending does it get? Like, the for real, a Dick. Can, okay, can you can we can you shed some light on something for me? I think you probably will be able. To, I, did you ever take band, or did you were you you were choral?
0: Yes, I was singing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you just taught yourself how to play the instrument, which great. Well, but you know, like so many, you never took any music lessons. Um, I've just so always many instruments, and you're not. You're and he's good. He's good at them. Not like I play shit. He's good at them. Just so you guys know when you're listening. But no, I, I've been in choir. I was in choir
0: okay. from six years old till through college.
1: Okay, so I, I'm serious. Like I'm trying to make this quick, but I'm really trying yeah. to. understand um their studio band which i completely get is it nassau Na- is that what he said what nassau band do you know what the is there some distinguishment there
0: no i have no idea okay. i thought the band kids were fucking losers
1: i was in art class while i couldn't <laughs> take band because of art so i get it you, we were neither one of us are band kids but, any, but okay the so. band kids in this movie are not fucking losers no, they're not. They're, fucking, they're bona fide badasses. They're G's. Yeah, for sure. Those are real
0: players, right?
1: Yeah. It, like, that was one thing I came across. So basically. Everybody you see playing an instrument in this movie is playing that instrument. Including so JK Simmons doesn't play piano. I think he plays another instrument, but he even like learned that piano part so that he could like actually play it. So everybody playing is actually playing when you see them. The yeah. sound a lot of it is pre-recorded in a studio and then dubbed over because I think that that also gives me that that classical thing that I was talking about with Damien Chazelle, where it's more, it's, le- he's not trying to be this, like, gritty, you know. Yeah. Real- he's I trying like- to give you a fucking film experience. You I know? like that
0: perspective, man. And
1: that's how I kind of felt about it. So, um, I get that, but everybody you see playing is playing. And so, I, I, yeah, I don't know. They're, yeah, they're all playing.
0: Cool. Well, we're going to detail more of what Simmons does in this film, I think, as we talk about it. So, we'll just keep moving on. Oh, this is a great know. segue, though, into our next Uh, segment we wanted to uh, go through the journey of the film through is it's educational and how we both you studied art i've studied music and the educational experience through which we did that has been really informative to us and i think that's part of the reason we identify or we enjoy watching this movie is because i never had somebody tomahawk a fucking symbol at my head or like get in my ear and tell me i was a piece of shit and like physically abused me. That never happened to me. But I did have tough choral directors, and I did have people hold me accountable. And even in writing classes, like, I, I remember when we were prepping for this, I had a, a, a professor in college. I was an arrogant son of a bitch. And they said, I'm trying to hold you accountable. And, like, tough people, tough teachers will do that. Does this guy go too far? That's the conversation we're about to have.
1: Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah. I mean, so first I want to say I never had anybody throw anything at me, um, but I had, I had, I've never, I was never the direct recipient of any kind of vitriol like that, that some of these people get. But I did have, I had one professor who literally like was, it was a first year design class and we were talking about color theory and someone couldn't explain, you know, a certain aspect of what this person, why I don't even remember. And this dude literally, like, threw a fucking, like, book across the room and, like, walked out of the class and fucking slammed the door in, like, one of the loudest moments that I've ever witnessed in my entire fucking life. And, like, ever, I mean, he left the class. It didn't come back. There were, like, 30 minutes left. And, and I know for a fact that that person – that couldn't get that, whatever primary or secondary question <laughs> proper. Dude, I mean, they probably felt like a piece of shit when, when, and, and I had another person, you know, in the middle of a critique not be able to answer a question and you get ripped. And that's something else that I'll get to in just a minute. But I did experience some of those moments, like again, nothing physical, but like some straight up cringe worthy moments. And I got mine you know and i'm gonna parallel that to that hallway breakdown scene that
0: Ooh, my Fletcher god does.
1: yeah i mean because i relate to that shit i mean not that again not that violent but yeah you a couple of stories please hit me uh one
0: kid in men's ensemble so i had one teacher in choir or one teacher in high school that was my course teacher for like three or four different courses His his expectations and um philosophies on discipline and music and art artisanship have Im- influenced me to this day and I, he was an intense man he was caring and he's a public school teacher but he was fucking he swore at us he was intense i saw him throw a chair at somebody talking in men's course one time and like tell him to shut the fuck up cuz he was mm-hmm. teaching yeah we had one performance at a competition one time We were, like, we were doing something, a piece that was, like, way outside the parameters of our ability. And we finished it. And as he was conducting, and he did, like, the eyebrow raise, shoulder shrug. Like, that was fucking terrible. Like, what do you, he's like, what do you want me to do? I try my best. You all suck. And then one time, one of my friends and I who were in bands together who learned to sing together were standing next to each other. And this man stopped rehearsal and pointed at us and just goes, rock tone switched seats with somebody else like we were like cool rock and roll kids in choir and he's like y'all got the rock tone going on you cannot stand next to each other but and and he was like break it up he was the intense teacher of my my youth for sure yeah yeah
1: Uh, yeah i mean and and so to come back to the film a little bit i think that i think that damien chazelle nails the vibe of being in like, I mean, cause you, both of us were on a collegiate level studying the arts. Um, and, and like, I'm going to tell you, man, like there's one, Hey, you know, you got a department and there are some kids in your department and there's one kid who's going to get that grant or that role or that part that everybody is going for. There's one kid who's going to get that studio selection, that everybody's fucking going for it, and it's like you know uh that shit's real that comp- that competition is yeah, real which brings me is. to something real quick I want to ask about the moment the the movie who took the fucking folder I can't make my mind up who took the folder was it Fletcher I've always assumed it was Fletcher somehow you assumed it was Fletcher okay I mean I that thought I, never my partner who's much smarter than me brought that up to me too but like I that never dawned on me. I was like I feel like, like the film
0: it feels like physically impossible because he's literally watching Fletcher, but Fletcher might be Satan and the spirit of fucking like jazz and I feel like whether or not or who exactly did it is it really the point? It was part like of the, Fletcher's plan. I feel well I feel like the film wants us to think it was Fletcher.
1: I okay, I get it. I just. I want Damien yeah, Chazelle. I want like, what's this? But oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I always
0: just thought it was Fletcher.
1: I think I'm. I think I'm fully in the camp now because it also makes sense that, like, right at like, a fucking janitor? What are you fucking stupid? And he's, like all of a sudden you hear Tanner in the background, and it's like, uh. And okay, that guy, so that
0: person, that person yelling Tanner is Damien Chazelle.
1: Hitchcock cameo. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Director cameo um but i'll i'll just say like the one thing the this the world of look if you go and you study arts just know it's not the world for people who like participation trophies you you don't get them like at least if you are going to get a serious education in the arts you're not going to get a participation trophy period yeah, yeah. right and so anyway uh the, the one – can I get to one last point I have about the – Oh, I have – we're going to talk about other things under the – Okay, go medication. ahead. Take it away. Did you – do you
0: – flat out, black and white, yes or no, do you think that Fletcher went too far in being a teacher?
1: No. Biggest, biggest, biggest change from the first time I watched the movie, stewing on it for years, to the second time I watched it. That was
0: my second question, is did you always think that?
1: No, I didn't. After I watched it the first time, I remembered watching it and thinking back to some of those memories I had uh, because I was a few years removed from from college at that time. And I remember looking back to a few of those memories I have and thinking, like, you know, this all seems pretty normal. You know, I I don't think for me in the movie it was until a bloodied, car wrecked, disoriented student. I mean, because, like, let's take a moment. And let's not forget, this is a student, right? Like, I think there's something to be said this about that.
0: This is like a 19-year-old ni- boy.
1: Yes. So the moment a bloodied, disoriented student shows up late and moves someone from the stool to take the drum kit, and you let them proceed. You dis- let
0: them do that.
1: Themselves that much more. That was the moment that at the first time I watched it, I was like, that's that's the line and that's where okay okay yeah so so the line was letting
0: him take the stage after just being in a car wreck
1: to me it was
0: to the me, line wasn't slapping him across the face repeatedly in the classroom in front of a bunch of kids and making him cry
1: it's probably not popular to say in 2020 but for me the answer to that question is no it's just not i mean i understand that that is not I'll just say this okay the The next Charlie Parker would never get discouraged, and that's my argument to that. I mean it just you look so I don't know, I grew up. Tough. i had my fair share of adversity and i got plenty of more in school i got corrected i got told i was loud and abrasive i got one of my painting professors walked by me and said you couldn't paint a figure if you fucking tried and then the same professor walked by me like three weeks later while i was literally painting in the fucking gesso the primary layer and looked at me and said this is some of the best painting you've ever fucking done it's like really like white white paint like he just yeah, you know, you you've ha- I've had people say shit to me that is fucked up. And, like, slapping, I guess you can make a point, but, like, I also didn't go to fucking Juilliard. I mean, and if I was trying to be trained in that level, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's inappropriate, but I wouldn't have complained to the dean.
0: Well, he didn't.
1: He didn't at that point.
0: Do you think that Neiman was weak?
1: No, I think that – I think that –
0: True. Do you you think – can can I add like another layer to that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think he had what it took in the first place or do you think he needed Fletcher to achieve what he achieved?
1: Okay, he had what it took in the first place, but he also needed Fletcher to, to take him to where he needed because, look, there's something that has to happen to you. You got to, like, so what, what Andrew had too much of was ego. His head was too big. Not because he was a first year. He knew he was good. He got in studio band where everybody works to get. He got that role. Then he got core because he misplaced a folder, you know, to reference a little later point. I mean, he knew he had it. He, he had it. He'd work, he'd worked his ass off to get there. Like, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. But he also had too much of an ego, and it was getting in his way. You know, like he I, – I, It's
0: – Fletcher inflated his ego only did. to – Only, only to make the point that he could pop it.
1: Yes, which is – brings me to my seminal, like, relation to this movie. Like, when I watched that scene the first time, I just flashed back to when I was getting my, my associate's degree. And – I had to have in order to pass my final studio class I had to have a senior solo exhibit. And the way the, the so the art building had this like really a, for such a shitty school a beautiful art gallery. And so you on e- either side of the gallery, you would have these wide open hallway walls that were also gallery walls. So they would hang shows in the gallery and then the same artist work would be out in the foyer entrance, you know. And So every year the seniors would have to have a show on those exterior walls and put their work up. And I had mine coming up and the day of, so the way it worked is you'd hang the show and on the day it opened, the entire art department, so all the kids who were in drawing, painting, sculpture, graphic design, everything, would leave their classes and come to a reception for your show. And I had these two professors... Peter Goff, I'm shouting him out, never hear this. And Jason's story, again, never hear this. Came to me and they, oh, your show looks really good. They saw it in the hallway that morning. It's, hey, you, you got, you gotta keep going. You're gonna do just fine at your next school. They knew where I was going. Like we know some of the professors. You're good. You're this is good. And then I'm there, I'm there, I'm in front of the whole art department. And then Peter Goff starts asking me questions. First question, not so bad, I answer it. Second question, and it just reminds me of, oh, not quite my tempo. Oh, not quite my tempo. Just ratcheting it up every little bit to the point to where you're basically screaming in front of the whole art department, I'm upset. It's on your fucking face because this guy literally just asked you why that line was that color. And he wants you to answer him. Why? Why is it that color? Why is it not this color? And you're like, I mean, you're just dumbfounded, right? So, I don't know. I had to share that. But, like, that shit happens. And it makes him better for it.
0: I see my high school choir teacher around town often. And can I be honest? Please do. Scared to talk to him. (laughs) Definitely have made eye contact with him. He definitely knows that we've crossed paths. I just know he'd like be like, not not as skinny as he used to be, huh? Yep. Or like, the yep. rock star thing didn't work out, huh? Did it? Right. Like, I just know he would fucking say something. And yep. I don't want to fucking deal with it. Yeah. I, I, I feel you. Do you think it's possible for them to have hated each other and wanted each, to help each other be great at the same time? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I think that that's very, very true. And I think it's, there's joy. There's sharing joy at the end of the film the there film is, is switching back and forth between their eyes and jo- and smiling
1: yeah and i think that 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 we there's a seminal or uh yeah, yeah a, seminal. A seminal excuse me part that that sums that up i mean there's no doubt i mean um yeah I, and if i can i just want to get one thing in there like tanner the original first chair drummer in studio band his face during that scene when Fletcher is tearing Andrew's, like, ass up, he is fucking loving every second of it, dude. He is... You can just tell it's like that shit-eating grin. But he he gets his, too. He gets asked to step aside. Oh, no. He gets his. There's no doubt. But I think at first he's a little intimidated by him because he's a first-year student, and I think that that's pretty rare. And I feel like he thinks the guy's pretty talented. And he comes up and he, he after hearing whiplash for like literally 45 seconds, he sits down and starts playing it on time. Pretty, pretty good. Right. I mean, again, when you're in this level, pretty good. to great is like a, a mountain. But to us, to me, excuse me, not to us, but to me, it's a fucking millimeter. The difference between good and great is very, very small to me. The difference but,
0: between, like, a $5 bottle of wine and a $12 bottle of wine, there's a big difference in quality. But the difference right? between a $12 bottle of wine and, like, a $30 bottle of wine, it's not that different.
1: Well, well, what about the difference between a $12 bottle of wine and, like, a $200 $50. bottle of wine? Big,
0: Pretty fucking big difference.
1: And I think that, like, at Juilliard and the Schaefer Conservatory, we're talking about $200 bottles of wine playing these instruments. Like, these motherfuckers are the crim like crim you know what i mean like so i want to refocus a little bit yeah, yeah yeah
0: and move on to the next window with which we wanted to perceive this film we titled it visions or i did rather visions of determination there's certain sequences throughout the film where andrew is tested and andrew either fails or andrew succeeds andrew is put through the fucking ringer by fletcher and these moments we've decided to flesh out he's pushed to his limit and honestly, he responds t- to the best of his ability every single fucking time. And we thought it would be a fun way to flush it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, he responds without fail. And that's the... the Even when he fails he, by Fletcher's he, standards, he still shows the fuck up. He does, and I would, I would argue or add that he redeems himself. So what, it, what is a failure redeemed? Right. Does that still necessarily stay fully in the failure column? No. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he redeems himself every time. And that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So earning the part. Yeah. So if if I can give like a quick little thing, I mean, so talking about the characters and talking about the fact that we relate to the education process, we kind of covered basically all of the the scenes that lead up to where we're at right now. So we're we're getting ready to kick off the thick of this fucking movie. Like you've made, you know, you've made core, you've been demoted from core and you've experienced the full fucking wrath of Fletcher and you're in it and you're trying to be the the fucking person. You're trying to be it. Right. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. So basically we're kicking off with, when he tries to earn this part and Fletcher sabotages him effectively. I mean, he's the core drummer and they finish their normal rehearsal and Fletcher says, Oh, stay after for a second and brings in his like arch nemesis douchebag Connolly in. And it's like, I'm going to give him a try and get has given Connelly the chart to the music way earlier in the day. And, and then makes Andrew go first without even being able to look at what's been presented to him he's got to go first so that i just wanted to set that up because i felt like that's like important yeah i I mean
0: i have a few things to add on to that Connolly is time and time again framed as not supposed to fucking be there he's the jock he's the jock with money who could pay tuition and some natural rhythm and talent and fletcher later after andrew's father and the lawyer you know uh, go after fletcher and, and use andrew as a pawn to get fletcher removed you know some a lot of people would say deservedly so from his position and andrew goes back and makes the choice to go into the club where fletcher is performing fletcher tells him Con- connelly was a pawn i used him All to time. make you better mm-hmm. and and we talked about you know the who took the notebook everything besides the notebook and the fucking flat tire to me is 100% clearly orchestrated by fletcher to push andrew and make him better you you know we you want
1: to talk about um the scene out in the hall well yes but can i just add one little thing i think you i i I think you've you have moved me along with the have moved me on the the folder i think that also was 100 percent orchestrated by fletcher i think it's really just the flat tire I just want to point maybe, that out. Maybe I, he you fucking, moved me on that. It's, it seems pretty obvious. Maybe he's a fucking
0: good uh, bow and arrow shot. I he think he takes paid somebody to take it. I think he—he he probably just—he had some. It was that little Minnie me. Minnie me. me. I Don't. can still see you, mini <laughs> me. <laughs> Say it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So continue though. So we fleshed out earning the part. He. He busts into Fletcher's room. He's—I love that scene. It's when Andrew grows another inch.
1: It does. And he yes. says
0: this bullshit because yep. the kids—Connelly's clearly not playing as well as Andrew. No. And Andrew, what does Andrew do? He's not a pussy. That excuse my language. That cries in fucking class. He sticks up for himself. He knows he does. He's good. And Fletcher gives him a brick wall to bounce off of, and he sticks up for himself. He busts into Fletcher's office. And then hey, this bullshit, well, the Andrew 45 minutes ago would have cowered away and absolutely. never and never grown ever.
1: See, okay, so and then I got two things to point out. Andrew is on a uh, what is it? Uh, a heroic path. He's on a path, right? His character's mm-hmm. on that arc. But but he goes he busts into this this fucking Mean fucking intimidating professors. Drill sergeant.
0: He's a drill sergeant.
1: And just gets in there and goes ready to and gets another brick wall, right? And here's the important part. What does he do with the second brick wall? He drags his fucking mattress into his practice room and he fucking sleeps there and he drums until he fucking dunks his cell his hand in fucking ice water to numb it so that he can play past the fucking bloody bleeding blisters. Like that's What he does. And then he gets another brick wall after that, right? But that's what he does. He overcomes everything. He fucking shows up every time. Every time. So
0: Connolly is his first nemesis. Tanner's another nemesis. In any case, all three of them end up in the band room. And Fletcher stages literally a drum off between the three of them. And, again, this is Fletcher. Honestly, I think Fletcher would have given Andrew the part regardless. But he doesn't gank it that easy. What does he say later in the film? There are two words, no more dangerous than the English language. than like good job. So he makes mm-hmm. – the class starts at 9 p.m. sharp, I believe. And yep. by the end of the sequence, it's 2.30 in the morning.
1: Yep. When they get they're to, yeah, And
0: all they're trying to do is play double-time swing. They're not trying to play a measure or a part – or perform a piece, they're trying to play a syncopation. They're trying to keep time in a specific manner. That's all he's asking them to do, and they do it for fucking five hours.
1: Yeah, and and I can tell you, uh, I I'd love to hear if your ear has got a better way to say it, but uh, all all three of these guys aren't that far off. Like the whole time, I,
0: I honestly can't really like tell. Thank I you. Can, I, yeah, I can't really tell the difference.
1: I mean, it just, I mean, they're they're, like, you got to admit they're not that far off. But I think what happens, the one thing I did notice is that they all start, they they start off right, but they all start to lag. And that's why it's it's a
0: sloppy. Honestly, the double time swing is what Fletcher discovers Andrew working on. It's, it's a, that's the first scene where they first meet when Fletcher emerges out of the darkness. And discovers Andrew doing double time swing, that kind of moment is recreated in like four or five different incarnations throughout the film. And to me, as a viewer, even as a musician with an ear, the double time swing doesn't never, never fucking clearly make sense to me until the final drum solo. Right. And that's when it's played, whether the sound mixing or the performance or the composition of all of it, it's when it finally. Fucking makes sense to me as the listener and the viewer and i can't I wait to dig into that drum solo because i have so yeah, much to yeah. say about it yeah, yeah there's yeah. two things we kind of we didn't talk about um did we talk about what the scene in the hallway when uh, fletcher does some dirt digging to get on andrew and there's well, something i want to piggyback on about that
1: yeah so we uh, okay so i alluded to it earlier when i saw the the hallway breakdown and i told that story about the professors they building me up like this looks great and then ripping me apart well, in let's circle everyone. it back
0: around yeah yeah what, he, yeah he so fletcher goes puts the hand genially on the wall and leans oh, yeah. in with a charming smile mm-hmm. and says what do you folks do what's your dad do mm-hmm. he finds out andrew's mom left he was young his dad's a writer now he's a high school english teacher he goes oh that's fine
1: he was never a writer effectively
0: three more times in the film fletcher uses that eugene o'neill your mom fucking left when she found out your dad wasn't fucking eugene o'neill yeah yeah he uses his mom leaving him to get to put him down Mm -hmm. and Mm is conniving and evil it's he he played he feigned cordiality in order to get under Andrew's skin he even his last name Neiman I believe he says Neiman one time he leans into the, the Neiman he's bullying him he's well, his
1: name him. is Neiman and yeah, that's he how s- he says name, that's
0: how Andrew says it yeah but, but Fletcher says Neiman, Neiman. And I'm pretty sure he says yep. Neiman one time he leans into it almost like he's making fun of his last name and,
1: and well Fletcher runs the spectrum of offenses like let's get real I mean that I'm gonna, gonna tell you We're not going to use the words that he uses in this movie. No, we we're not, and I haven't for a long, long time. But I got to tell you, like it's like for the third watching this for the third time today, I kind of became struck by the fact that this shit came out six years ago. That's a whole lot of loaded words that would not that dialogue would not get a green light today. F
0: words and R words and just offensive shit. But Big time. it's because Fletcher will stop at nothing to find greatness. He wasn't a great performer. He wasn't a great. He, he realized his role as an educator was to get find and get great greatness. You know, and it's alluded to later that he pushed a student too fucking far. And that student went on to not only become a professional great musician, but they fucking killed themselves. And they and they trace that pressure and that anxiety and that abuse back to Fletcher
1: yeah they do and I think I'm glad you brought that up because there's one there's another moment in this movie that kind of is like a I'm curious moment right and it's um when Fletcher so Fletcher in one of these moments where he becomes human for the for the audience uh comes into the room right but actually right before the drum off that we just talked about when he fucks Andrew over so hard uh, he Does he fuck him in... over though? Or does he make him grow? Exactly, he he makes him grow uh, But but um, uh, He comes in the room and he explains that this student He used to have has passed away He plays this beautiful piece of music It's great um, And there, there's a profound effect in the room And you get this humanity out of Fletcher That you, you only get a couple other times In the film And uh, He tells them that this person died in a car wreck, and then later in the film you find out that the truth is that they hanged themselves. And I started, I started thinking about that. Like, why would he say that? Did he find himself culpable? Or I think you know, if he told them that he killed themselves,
0: a lot of kids would have stood up and walked
1: out of the fucking room. Beautiful. That's the exact conclusion I came to. And I believe, as that- a professor, you cannot plant that seed. I think that him lying
0: and him being a deceptive person is true. Yes. I also believe that his tears about the loss of the student Very. and the beauty that he sees in their performance also real. I and think th- this movie is a lot about dirtiness and some perceived evilness and the hard way and getting slapped and being called an idiot. And I think that a lot of that's true and a lot of that's fucking bad. And I think this film is about the conversation of how far are you willing to go?
1: It is. It is. It is. And I agree. And his tears and his his love for that person is absolutely real. And that's one of the moments I, that informs you as a viewer to kind of think at the end of the film that that after a little study that maybe Fletcher really didn't cross the line. He loves these people. He really does. He I does. I I disagree
0: with you. I also agree with you. I, I haven't really made no opinion known yet on program, but I think that he does love them. I also think he 100% crossed the line.
1: I get, I get you. Let's, 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 let's get there. So, okay. We were at, remember
0: we have two more moments of Andrew's determination to get through just to keep you on track.
1: I know I got two things. I got to get in there. One, it's already been alluded to. Okay. The, the, the drum off for the part. That's when Andrew shows up in the black T-shirt, and that's when Damien Chazelle mentions in the commentary of the film that. I'm so that glad
0: once again, Josh Special Features Haney
1: shows the fuck up. They call me Special Features because I watch the hours of special features and give you the parts you need. I I would, mean seriously, I would too. I mean, no, you, and you do sometimes like it's not, I mean, I, I, I do YouTube holes. That's we my do. Age. Yeah. We do That's the work for you guys. Like, you know, a lot of this stuff is basic bitch stuff, you know? So, um, okay. The other thing I just want to point out is in there's two quick things. I love in that scene, the drum off when they cut to the bat, this is just a filmmaking point of view thing, which we've been a little lacking a lot of retrospect, but, um, They cut to the bathroom and the dude's like washing his hands and his face. And you just hear the yelling in the background. He kind of gives this look like, fuck, they still at it. I thought that was when I was watching that. I thought
0: I had gotten a commercial or something on my streaming purchase. (laughs) I was like, is this a men's suit? And then like they're in the fucking uh, study hall and you just hear screaming. Yep. And again, like I think Fletcher, if he would have been another educator, would have just either let them all have a go and given it to Andrew I think he was, no matter what the end of the circumstance was, Andrew was getting the part. But he wow. made him fucking earn it.
1: He did. He, he made did. him bleed
0: for it. He made him sweat for it. And, and I think and, he knew Andrew would do whatever he took to do it. But he yep. wanted Andrew to prove it to himself that it wasn't just a daydream, that he was willing to fucking bleed.
1: That's it. That's right? it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Completely agreed. Completely agree. And that's, that's all I want. I just wanted to get those two things in.
0: So, for some reason, Andrew takes a public bus to the big performance. Uh, I mean... <sighs> Why doesn't Andrew carpool with his other broke college friends? Andrew because Andrew doesn't they don't really like have him. a lot of friends. No. They don't like so, him, and he doesn't like them. So, Andrew's studying his charts on the bus, intent, focused, ready to smash it out of the park. And fucking Fletcher, from give or take 50 yards away, throws a fucking golden... Bow and arrow shot into the tire of the
1: bus. Boom. The one thing that Fletcher didn't, didn't just, put in place. I joking. Yeah. I know. I know you were. But, like, what I was going to say is the one thing he didn't put in place is the one thing that leads to Andrew's biggest downfall. I mean, of the whole film. And it's it, – that that's I push what I was it out getting.
0: For the I, I, real yeah, quick. please do. Yeah. Please. So what happens is Andrew goes in a freakout mode. Honestly, I'm proud of him. His problem solving and resolveness is fucking When I was 19 years old, I don't think I would have been able to like get there
1: Oh, no, get the fuck out. We lived together when we were 19. We solved problems just like that. We may have taken a oh couple of 5-hour energies, but
0: do you remember when I made you call me approximately 2 hours into my shift to tell me someone in my family was in a car accident so I could yes. get out of going?
1: Oh no! Come on, we were on point, like dude, we solved right. problems. Like, don't even get. Come on, we we were legit, like was, no doubt. No. Dirty. We so, used to be beautiful, man. Sorry, oh, I couldn't so, help it. So Andrew, the the bus
0: gets a flat. Andrew gets out. He's frantic. He somehow makes his way to a rental car place, rents a car, which to be realistic is illegal because you have to be twenty four to do that. Oh, case, he yes! Gets away with it. Gets in the car. He phones to plead his case for them to wait. He obviously runs a red light. He's on the phone. It's reference boom. T-bone semi, overturned. Blood. Is Andrew dead? No. Andrew walks out of the wreckage. He's probably in shock. Probably has a concussion. The other person in the accident pleads with him to stay. Uh, It's a felony charge, fleeing and running. He doesn't own the vehicle. I don't know whose name he put the car in. Dad's going to have to fit some sort of... There's going to be a court scene. In any case, Andrew has to... It's amazing he didn't break his arm. Drags his ass.
1: I think there's an argument that he did break his left arm. I'm not even joking. Or his wrist, at least.
0: Drags his ass to the performance. Finds himself in front of his concerned classmates, his... uh, Fucking intense band leader teacher said, "Where the fuck have you been? And where are your sticks? Because you left them at the fucking car rental facility." Runs back to the car rental facility, grabs his sticks. All this is edited a la like Ocean's Eleven or some shit. Oh, like, beautiful! The, the editing—that's I, I don't—I use that that movie lightly. Like the editing in this film is amazing, so
1: good. It really Comes back. Really is.
0: Well, we kind of skipped our favorite fucking quote of the movie, which is... Let's, just, giving,
1: let's just get back to it. Let's just... Okay. Got to know. We'll come back to it. Keep going. It, You're on a roll right now. Makes his way back to the performance.
0: They're about to get on stage. They're taking their seats. They're prepar- preparing to perform. Andrew, head bloodied, arm lame, sticks in hand, finds his way to the kit, pushes Connolly aside, makes dead eye eye contact with Fletcher, and presumably says... Let's fucking go. There's only one problem. He can't. He's gone gone too fucking far. His body has been pushed to the limit. He's emotionally distraught. He's toast. You'd think, in any other moment, what would an educator do? Step in. Give comfort. Give solace. Say, listen, buddy, you gave it your best swing. But it's time to sit down. We'll have a talk later. But not Terrence Fletcher. Terrence Fletcher allows this young man to try and fail, and embarrass himself, ultimately whispering vehemently in Andrew's ear, you're done.
1: And that's the line that I referenced earlier. Right there, folks. That's the line. And oh my god, how much, okay, there's so much to unpack in what you just went through. Okay, so first I want to start with this. I asked you earlier to, to help me remember to reference a 70s slasher film. Thriller, excuse me. And I'm going to do it now. The flat tire scene. When Andrew comes off the bus after the flat tire, for the first time, I think, and and for those of you who are out there who are better than me, like, don't hold my feet to the fire. But the camera moves to a handheld position.
0: Mm, You start...
1: It, it it's not it's not on a tripod. It's not on any sort of a caster. It's not on a steady cam. It feels handheld. And and whether or not it is, it doesn't matter. The effect is there. So as soon as he steps off that bus, it's handheld, and that's what gives it that fucking heart pounding. Goddamn, every moment counts. And and the one that really comes to mind for me, I'm gonna say it is Halloween because there's there's. I think, if I remember correctly, back to film school uh, or film class, excuse me, uh, Halloween was one of the first films to use like a Steadicam setup where the, the camera is chasing. And that's one of the things that were so, so effective about it. So that's the first thing to point out. The second thing is like, oh my god, this scene is cringeworthy. Like, absolutely cringe. When he leaves his sticks on that fucking chair, like, personally, when I He goes back! No, he does, but hold up. When he leaves them, I'm like, fuck, right? I'm like, out loud and like, watching the- Like, J.K. Simmons said he watched this movie in theaters multiple times, and when he would watch it in theaters, when he leaves his stick, people would gasp. The whole theater would gasp, because you get it immediately. You're like, oh my god fucked up hard right so continue to help me unpack this because you that's a lot there's more um my my big thing is fletcher
0: is fletcher in this sequence because okay when andrew comes back without his sticks he doesn't support andrew whatsoever he gives them to his arch rival and and in this moment uh, andrew delivers you and i's favorite line which is The Johnny Utah line. Oh,
1: fuck off, Johnny Utah! Turn my fucking pages, bitch! Like, come
0: on! Several moments later, when Fletcher is pushing Andrews' advances away and saying, no, it's Connolly's part, Fletcher calls Connolly fucking Johnny Utah. Johnny
1: Utah, just
0: dumping it on. Neiman, Neiman, rather, is becoming Fletcher in a lot of ways. He's absorbing the vitriol. And even in those moments where they're meeting each other, and that eminent fucking energy Fletcher is still pushing him down he's 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 absorbed Andrew Andrew becomes the bully in a moment and calls the jock figure Johnny fucking Utah and Fletcher takes that heat and throws it back at the fucking student there's no other moment where the student and the teacher are ganging up on another student unless it's Andrew and Fletcher they are they are bonding they are becoming master and teacher And even when Fletcher is pushing him down and not giving him another chance, giving him more adversity, it's fucking beautiful.
1: Because they're cut from the same cloth. They're cut from the same cloth. And, yes, Andrew is full-blown animal in this scene. And and he's He's full-blown fucking Anakin. He he goes toe-to-fucking-toe with Fletcher in that scene. Absolutely, right? And another thing that was very insightful to me, which you pick up on, just you get it. Um, Chazelle said that drums equals drugs, basically. Like Miles Teller's Andy is fucking, he's an addict. And in that scene, he is freaking out because you're about to take his fucking fix away, and he is pissed. And he is doing everything he can to get that fucking fix. And I think that there are some scenes like I mean, okay. When he okay, first off, I want to say you've got you've have you might have some issues about this. The one big peeve I might have about this film is the car wreck scene. The actual physical car wreck—it's almost fantasy. It 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 bothers me because like it just look. You just need to. I'm talking about the actual moment the truck hits the car. That's what bothers me is, like, I don't need to see that, like, there's, like, a full, like, second of the truck's grill. That needs to be cut out quicker and just, like, smash. Like, it was too – it just felt – it's the only moment.
0: You know the earbuds bother me.
1: I know the earbuds bother you, yeah. These cats are not earbuds cats, okay? I feel like they're headphones.
0: They're, like, Bose – or JBL, which is what I have, like, sound-canceling fucking studio headphones.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cats. yeah. And so, like, you know, so he... I mean, to speak to Miles, he crawls out of this car wreck, and that's, like, the shit. But, like, he goes on stage, and then from there, it's just pathetic. I mean, he gives that, like, grotesque thumbs up to Fletcher. And, I mean, it gets cringe cringeworthy. Like, this is, like... Th- this shit was, like, Scott's Tots level... I can't watch this. Oh, shit. I mean, to throw out an OG office reference, like no joke. But apparently, like when he tackles Fletcher, apparently he like broke J.K. Simmons' ribs or some shit. Like they referenced that several times. By the way, J.K. Simmons and Damian Chazelle shit on Miles Teller so hard in the commentary,
0: like like like, like,
1: j- like little brothering him. I I mean. Maybe, but it happens so often that you start to wonder, like maybe he was a bitch to work with. Like literally, they start the thing off, and like J.K. Simmons goes, "Yeah, Miles Teller was supposed to be here, but you know it's 11:30 a.m. and he's probably uh, passed out, hungover in a pool of his own fucking dried vomit." Like I'm not even joking, and they that, and like they literally say, "Yeah, everybody was great except for Miles Teller. He's a worthless piece of shit." I'm like, "Oh my god." Are they not just leaning into the Fletcher thing? I don't know. Maybe, but it, it feels like it happened a little too much. Like, he might have been, a, like, a little difficult to work with. That's all I'm saying.
0: Uh, that's he's that's a handsome young man about. in Hollywood motion fucking pictures. Let him have
1: a, let him have his time. He's a fucking movie star, and he's going to be a big movie star.
0: Can we move on to our favorite part of the whole fucking movie?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: J-B-C- Redemption. Yes! After right. Miles spear-tackles Fletcher, not only is he dismissed from the music school, but he becomes enthralled in a conspiracy to get Fletcher removed from his position. His father hears about the abuse, verbal, emotional, and physical, and gets the hires the, the skills of a lawyer. They investigate the death of the former student and connect the dots and create a case to prosecute Fletcher. I don't know if that's exactly what happens, but Fletcher does lose his position and his reputation, I'm sure, is tarnished. Later in the film, Andrew's life is without music. It becomes more normal. His dad gets him an apartment. He packs his drums in the closet. He begins a mundane in life. In any case, one that, you know, early evening while walking, he passes a cafe. He hears jazz music. He looks looks down at the marquee and it says, with special guest Terrence Fletcher. He wanders in to find Terrence Fletcher performing on the piano in a jazz quintet and begins a new correspondence in a new light with student and teacher. He, Fletcher recruits Andrew to join his new ensemble, and we can unpack a little of the nuances there, Where he's baiting him or he, he, he knows that Andrew was part of the conspiracy to have him removed from his post. In any case, Andrew finds himself in the new JVC band. Wet Fletcher is putting a performance on for it.
1: Yeah, and um, there's an interesting aspect to that. So, like, that preceding conversation in the jazz club, like, that's an interesting part. That's where you already referenced it before, is that there's no two words more harmful in the English language than um, good job. You know, we referenced that, and he tells the... Uh, You know, Joe Jones throwing the symbol story for the like fourth time, you know, and and, and he's like, I've never had my Charlie Parker. Like that's that's a definite buildup. But there's this thought like, can Fletcher be being can he is he being sincere in this conversation or is he literally just, you know, wooing the lamb to slaughter? And it was interesting in the commentary to hear that jk simmons take was that he's actually doing both because okay i agree that's something that
0: i've, I've referenced in my feelings of this film Yes, yeah. yes he loves that student yep yes he definitely made, led them to dro- drove them to kill themselves does he want to break andrew down to the minuscule molecular level yes does he want andrew to be great
1: also yes mm-hmm. and i think it's this tug of war that this movie is talking about it is, and and Fletcher's goal, like you know, is Fletcher's goal is to win, right? So he's Great. he's wooing Andrew, and Andrew fucked him over with his position at Schaefer. So if this leads to bitter, like bittersweet revenge, and he gets to taste that in his mouth, he's good with that. But hey, if this fucking kid gets up off of that mat where he's just been knocked out like that and comes back and stands up and does it well then hey i win in that regard too right because i finally found my fucking charlie parker and i turned him into the bird i believe that's exactly what happens yeah 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 i think so too and i think
0: you know well, i don't know let's get, I just, go ahead let's get there let's get there yeah. so yeah. the performance comes to um it's it's a much more professional situation uh, Fletcher gives a pep talk to the players saying this is where you can become a professional fucking musician. There's people out there that can help you out. This is a big break for you. Pan to Andrew's face. We see that soft, delicate innocence once again.
1: Naivete. Naivete. He,
0: smiles not, he smiles not in confidence, but in, in naivety. They sit down to start the performance and Fletcher turns the screw again. He announces a piece that Andrew's never fucking heard of That he's never never played on. He looks around and sees that everyone's preparing. That they are prepared. That Fletcher has prepared everyone else but him. Bomb.
1: And cue the face acting award. That guy looks physically... The guy
0: playing stand-up bass behind Andrew? That's like, what the fuck are you doing?
1: (laughs) Maybe. But no, Miles Teller. When... He looks physically ill, man. He looks like he could genuinely just throw up all over that stage, right then and there, in character or out of character. What does Fletcher say?
0: Yeah, what does Fletcher say at the end? He turns around in supreme confidence and says a little bit of avant-garde from the percussion section there.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's... And he just... The camera... Pulls in closer and closer and closer and closer. And there's this long, awkward pause. And then Miles gets up and he walks off stage.
0: His dad meets his,
1: him. His dad's there. And his dad hugs him and says, come on, let's go. And that right there is the moment. That's the moment. Because Anakin, Anakin becomes the Sith Lord. Well, what's going through Andrew's head is this comfort is there. But if I walk off now, I'm done. And I'm gonna have this whole just like, oh, really? What about you know? What about Lincoln Center father who doesn't really think that what I was doing was there? And and he's gonna come and I'm gonna live this subpar life, but he chooses to break the hug off and turn around and walk back on on stage.
0: That's the moment.
1: That's, That's the, the moment.
0: The stage when he walks on the stage yeah. he makes it, he makes his final choice is just, like, supreme confidence, which I just used to describe Fletcher, and he sits down, and he overrides Fletcher.
1: Because starts- the next Charlie Parker would never be discouraged. There you go. That's there you it. go. That's it. Yep. Uh,
0: I've got... You know, this big part of my life is goosebumps. I have goosebumps right now. I I want to break this scene down. Break it way. down! I believe that Andrew... There's a moment... When his 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 drumming, the piece in itself is led by the drums. It's a very percussive song, you know. The sound mixing elevates it because our lead character is performing that instrument. But Andrew is in free, on. I believe that Andrew is like found nirvana. There's just the, a segment of it where the music drops out and you hear this like air. Sound effects, almost like a jet is taking off. It focuses on Andrew's back and the material on his on his shirt, and it's rippling as if a jet is taking off. He leans back and closes his eyes in like complete euphoria. It's as if Andrew, I'm like emotional right now. He achieves nirvana. He gets to the point that he's been working to his entire life. There's conflict even in this moment between Andrew and Fletcher, but when Fletcher recognizes what I just described to you, they're smiling. They're giddy. Because despite all the fucking tumultuous journey that they've been through, they finally get there. They finally fucking get there.
1: He's fucking in it, man. He's in it. He's in that pure, that pure, pure, pure mode that just we get glimpses of for moments at a time. He's there, and he's absolutely it. I mean... I love the way that drum set is just rocking every bit of so it. So what is he's moving.
0: doing, it's not only rocking because of his arms, but what Andrew's doing is he's doing triplets with one foot. Yeah, so he's going <laughs> with he's moved with one joint. He's he's full on. You know, we had a conversation last night, friend of friend, talking about you know one arm, one foot at a time climbing mm-hmm. that ladder. Andrew is utilizing every fucking joint in his body. He's dripping sweat. His he's he's on it. He's entered another dimensional fucking plane. Yeah, honestly. it's fucking incredible.
1: Yeah, no, he he is. And um, I think my favorite part about this scene, aside from just the geek out that you get, like a full on drum solo, high quality performance of Caravan. As a jazz fan that I am, like aside from that, my favorite part about this is the like. The like theatrical effect of Fletcher's character arcing, his entire arc takes place in this scene. He moves from Fletcher yes! into this next thing, and a lot of people might find that like, like, uh, kitsch, like you know, cliche. That but that he so he has
0: the one line where he says, "Andrew, what the fuck are you doing?"
1: He doesn't he, say it angrily though. He's like, "No, he's giddy." Andrew, man, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, he's excited. And then, like, 30 seconds later, he's, like, fixing the crash. Oh, my God. Oh! Over and then oh! he wipes oh! his mouth. He wipes his mouth like he's just a fucking excited kid. Like, he's so giddy. He's mm. he's into it, man. It, he is so into it.
0: Did you go on a tangent about the way that Chazelle, like, the camera follows the horns and, like, accentuates oh. the jazz
1: and movement of the, uh, the caravan? I mean, you know, he cut he cuts on time, like when you're watching the drums, you get these like chop cuts where it's like, you know, snare, tom, hi-hat, ride, you know, and it's like pop, 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 and you're like moving with it. And then when the horns play, like when the trombones – extend the arm the camera moves with it and comes back and then you run down the line of all the horns and then you come up the line of the second row of horns and you're like and then you like walk down the base and back up the base and like it's it's musical it it is it's absolutely musical it's absolutely musical and and that's why you just know that this like you just know damien chazelle has spent large chunks of his life listening to jazz music you can't you just can't be that inspired and into that that way andrew is just fucking crushing it and like
0: as a musician like i when i'm at work and daydreaming i imagine the perfect guitar solo and i imagine, you know i I can play drums like (laughs) i'm a drummer like i can do it and i imagine the perfect drum solo. like i'm literally playing it in my head and i just want to for a second talk about why the, the drum performance is so great it's because it has fucking narrative because it's dynamic because it's driving the rest of the band andrew's in fucking charge in that moment his yep. playing is lyrical he brings it down to a single rat tat 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 and brings it back up you know fletcher he had that he has a great acting performance where he's he's you know fucking building it up but it's andrew who's fucking in charge Andrew, it's fucking siddhartha dude it's fucking the buddha like it's full-on like reincarnation into manifestation of energy it's fucking and the way she's portrays it is how a musician
1: fucking feels
0: when they get there
1: yeah 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 and, and andrew and andrew is like that he's like the look he's like the train's engine but he does need there at that one point he gets so wild and so like it just and then where he Fletcher like he, he needs Fletcher to say whoa 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 okay don't lose this thing make this yeah. what it needs to be and he helps him and it no yeah man that that's my favorite part I think of this entire film is when when Fletcher turns when when Fletcher's character goes from I will gouge your fucking eyes he out he
0: says that to, and like is giddy in a matter of like thirty fucking seconds
1: yeah because he knows like. Uh. like this is not what you think it is. This and and I'm gonna say right now, the only thing in my life I've ever seen come close to some drumming like that is YouTube videos of Art Blakey. Right. Like, I mean, I'm serious. That's yeah. a, and Art Blakey was a band it, leader, freedom? a freedom rider. Freedom rider. And, yeah. I mean, like, and and as a, I mean, because Art Blakey was a ba- band leader, and it's like, band like leader. you said, when Andrew comes out and he he like he's I'll the cue, band leader. I'll cue. You I'll you in. cue you. He tells
0: the he does, doesn't only tell the next musician next to him. He tells the fucking conductor. The conductor, How I'll you in.
1: You...
0: Ugh. Yes, and and the way that scene is, this film is so dark. And we talk about the influence of thrillers and the way that the tension. But this scene is golden.
1: It's it is. almost
0: sepia toned. And when it's cutting back and forth between the teacher and the student, and it's literally Joshua. It's just their. It's fucking widescreen, right? And it's yeah. just their eyes like back crowds. and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. And you can see Fletcher's evil, maniacal face just like turn into this smile. And there's that release. When and Andrew has that breath. And he's got this slight not a smile of innocence or naivety, but a smile of satisfaction. Yes. Yes. And it switches back and forth. And Fletcher gives the cue to end it, cut to black. Fucking end. What a fucking
1: movie. Yeah. Yeah, and talk talk about a splash ending, right? How, oh. uh, yeah, no, for sure, no, it's it's good stuff. That's a it's a great scene. It's such a such a fun scene as a film fan and a music fan, and it's great when those two things come together. And it, bam, you know, no we've doubt.
0: Talked, yeah, we've talked a lot about like uh, being ambitious artists and what how difficult that can be. Andrew really kind of screwed the pooch with this relationship in this movie. Oh, yes.
1: This is is a
0: yes he's, he's a total fucking dick. he's
1: a total dick. dick. Okay, he's a total dick, but there are some other like okay. There's just such a like there's such a great job of showing that like awkward adolescent like young adult like asking you out. Like how many That ask well, out scene is Freaking high quality. Yeah. I mean, how many how many young men have been totally and utterly punked by a girl that is their age, but like far smarter and wittier. Oh God. Yeah. 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 And like, please leave. And like she gets his ass, and he's like, Oh my God. Like, oh, I just got a head. You just got had so hard. So fucking hard. And like Okay, so they know that and they also do a great job of just subtly hinting to the crush in the first scene at the movies like he won't make eye contact with her. And he's like, oh, fluttery, fluttery, fluttery. And all the way. I don't know how to pronounce this young lady's last name. And I am so sorry, but Melissa uh, Benoist or Benitois, you know, hey, whatever we tried. But hey, I want to tell you. What a fucking amazing performance! I'm sorry, like not on screen very much, but okay. I think that this actor absolutely brought it to to her role. I mean, I I, I think that we could have used more of her. I read that there
0: was um a, there was a lot of footage that they shot of J.K. Sim or of uh, Fletcher, rather his his uh, character's apartment and stuff, giving more t- context to the character. Chose not to to give him more mystery, which I think is a smart idea. I think we could have. I think we could have used more Michelle.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Uh, uh, Melissa, I think, is the actress's name. Oh, Nicole. Nicole.
0: I, yeah. I crossed those two together, and it turned in Melissa plus, plus Nicole equals Michelle.
1: I get it, and I agree because some of these scenes are like the the best. I mean, and I love that like Andrew goes for like the best day ever effect like he makes studio band and then he's like i'm gonna march into the theater and ask this girl i gotta crush out you know like he like he's like i'm gonna like like buying a lottery ticket when you got like a streak of luck kind of a vibe and it's just no they do such a great job in that when they go on a date like by the way jazz and pizza that's my kind of day but like as they get to know each other a little sorry big,
0: ladies he's taken
1: and, and, right tell me uh and uh they get a little warmer with each other and the camera draws in like closer and closer and closer until you're like on those faces again. And yeah, I mean, they do a great job with this. Absolutely. Uh, we already touched on a couple, a uh, few points of the
0: other drummers, but I just love that there's three of them, Tanner and Connolly. the actor who plays Tanner who helped train the other actors to be, he's a, an actual professional jazz drummer. Nate Lang. Shout out. Okay. There's it's just kind of moments of comedy, but like Connolly is such like a like a it looks like his hair's dyed red. Like it's he's it such is. a prototype. Oh, it is? It is. Oh, Dude. see I know when I see it. Like it's just like a prototype jock fucking character. They're all three so different and like as they're being pitted against each other, it's almost like a source of comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's like he calls him a fucking leprechaun and shit.
1: Yeah, he's, like, that naturally talented, like, just absolute douchebag who doesn't put in the work, you know? Like, I mean, I guess he does, but, you know, yeah, yeah. It, 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 and Tanner, I think Tanner has some great moments in this, like his face, it, it, like, when when in reaction to Fletcher with Andrew, some great moments, and then when uh, Andrew loses the folder and he's, like, screaming at him, i like, Crack up every time. That's (laughs) a fucking janitor. What are you a fucking idiot? Like, I don't know. I just, it cracks me up every time. Like what? Seriously. You think a janitor took that folder in like 20 seconds?
0: What a stupid thing to
1: say. (laughs) And like, this is a high pressure situation for Tanner. Right. Um, And I also think that like uh, from that moment on, like Tanner's course is just, is that, pre-med course you know like switching to pre-med for <laughs> it makes all. so much
0: yeah. sense bit, uh, i can just imagine uh damien chazelle and uh the tanner actor like laughing about that because he obviously he's a professional actor it's like oh yeah he went pre-med he probably flirted with that at some point in his life probably uh the other thing we wanted a uh, uh, side that we want to touch on was the something that i think we both relate to again was the dinner table scene uh, when Andrew goes home, and I think it's his cousins who are uh, Division three football players being glorified, and like I fucking hate those people. And I've been at that dinner table, like I have been at that very dinner table.
1: I haven't been at the football dinner table, but I've I've like gone home with a girlfriend to meet family, and they're like, oh. You're an art major. So, like, um, how do you plan on, uh, you know, making money and stuff? Like, so what are you going to do with your like life? You know, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, uh, you're, you're still trying to figure it out. Oh, congratulations. Like, you. What is he? There's a great back and forth in that great.
0: scene when he's like, uh, it's Division Three. And he says, uh, why don't you come play with us?
1: Four words you'll never hear from the NFL.
0: But then Paul Reiser. John, oh, what says, a
1: dagger! A fucking dagger! Dude. And he says,
0: or the Lincoln Center.
1: Ooh, a dagger from your own fucking father telling you you're never going to get your ultimate goal. Dude, you're Paul, Paul
0: Dad's go. face during the final performance is when you know that Andrew is great.
1: That's it, right because there. Because his dad
0: face drops, and his dad, who doubted him every step of the way, is like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!
1: What the fuck is this?" Yep. I mean, he, yeah, he's he gets it finally. Like he gets it. He gets well, it. What are some of your favorite quotes? Okay, so I think my my favorite quote of the whole movie is the. Is like fuck off Johnny Utah, turn my pages, bitch. I mean, that I, I didn't I guess as a non-musician, I just find it hilarious how like derogatory turn my pages can be. Like, I mean Fletcher even uses it as an insult. Like when Tanner gets demoted, he's like, make sure to turn uh Andrew's pages. And it's like, I, I don't I don't know. Like I just never would have guessed that was such a fucking um Insult. I don't know. But secondly from Fletcher, I'll just say they're at the big competition and the stagehand comes on and Fletcher literally says, get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. And it's like I love that because of the word demolish. You get the sense that Fletcher really means demolish, like annihilate. So I heard,
0: I read rather, or heard in an interview that in the short film and in the script he says, "I will fuck you like a pig." And J.K. Oh. Simmons thought that, thought that was like way too much, and so he ad libbed, "I will demolish you."
1: I think that's a little better. A little. Better.
0: My my favorite is in like the Oscar role scene, the not my tempo scene,
1: mm-hmm. when he makes
0: Andrew cry, and Andrew's breaking down finally. He's got the singer t- single teal rolling down his face and he gets up in his fucking grill and he goes, Are you one of those single tear people? Do I look like a double fucking rainbow to you?
1: <laughs> oh, one of those great like of the moment pop culture references that just like hit like really well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like lands really good. Yeah, that's that's a great one. And 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 like also just you got to mention like it's not like that quotable or anything but just the usage of uh you know not quite my tempo or a uh, little trouble there you it's know clear. like you know it just it, jk simmons fletcher just delivers on so many levels on the quotable on the quotable but i do have a couple of things like there's one thing i want to point out and this is just a geeky There's one, I got one other peeve. Like when they're in the jazz club having their conversation about being great and all that good shit, like Fletcher does this like ghost smell the glass of whiskey, but there's no glass of whiskey in his hand. It's like on the table. So for any of you who are going to do a rewatch after this, look for that and like hit us up and let me know if I'm crazy. Cause I, I swear, I watched it and watched it and watched it. There's two glasses on the table. Fletcher does this smell-the-glass thing under his nose and then immediately Andrew picks up his glass of Coke and starts drinking it. So, I don't know.
0: My my last pet peeve before we wrap it up is during the last scene. Fletcher does this, like... I've, I've like, not to sound like a douchebag, but I've seen conductors conduct either at the, the 4th of July Pops thing on TV or in person while performing... He does this, like, rid it, did to do thing to signal to the horns. Mm-hmm. Like, he does the finger guns, essentially, to the ambiguous angle. It cracks me up. No one's ever fucking done that.
1: Go yo, yo, no, it's <laughs> sticky, and they, like, talk about it. They're, you're right. No, you They talk about it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. They, they, they said that Miles Teller loves to make fun of J.K. Simmons for that scene. Like, he picks on him. And he also like, likes to brag, apparently, about breaking his ribs, which is why I think it might be true. Um But I think, like, I guess I just have one thing I just want to say that I think this movie does a really good job of articulating is, like, um, when you're on a path to, like, be better, and, and I don't necessarily mean, like, be great. Like, you know, I was never, like, when Miles breaks up with, or excuse me, when Andrew breaks up with Nicole, he's like, you know, I can't see you cause I'll never be great. Like da, 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 da. Like you're, I just, you know, she, I can't do She says do it. that.
0: Like just. you re- realize this is how you feel.
1: Yeah. You're it's saying like, this you're, out loud. I'm saying fucked. it for you. You're a yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I will say that, like, I mean, I'm 10 years into a happy relationship. And I mean, the first day that that relationship was established, I literally looked at my partner and I said like, Hey, um, I am an artist and, I'm going to do this and it's always going to be something I do. It's not going to be like a video games or it's not a fad. It's not something I'm going to quit. There might be times when I have an art show coming up and I might take a week and I might not see you for three days straight because I got work to do and I hope you're cool with that. And I made that disclaimer. I mean, he takes it to like an asshole level. Like I'm just going to be so good that I don't have time for you kind of a level. And I love the fact that like, just real quick that he calls her later and she's like, yeah, I'll check with my boyfriend. I don't think he likes jazz. Ooh, like, Ooh. What a- Yeah. You don't get to come back from like asshole level like that. Like I'm great. And you're like, not so I don't have time for you. But the point I wanted to get to is I think sometimes being mean is an act of kindness. Like, I just want to say that like, when you're in the pursuit to get better, I think it's kind. It's it's a good, intended action to be a little mean to someone because they need that to wake up to, to ideas and notions.
0: I think that that's true, but it's not okay to always be cruel. No, I don't. So I, I think this film crosses the line. I think the film says that it does, in my opinion. Agreed. I think I'd love to watch this with other people for the first time because it's because of JK Simmons' performance, because of the love letter to jazz, because of the final scene. Um that does that's why I love this movie.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. I think I think it does. I think that Fletcher's character does cross the line like if if you if you're in a non, you know, <laughs> collegial experience like that's a band leader and you're in a professional band and you choose to work for them and that's the treatment you get and that makes you better that's a different story but but in this I do agree that across the line I just think that um that we can't be we can't be afraid of criticism. It it makes you better and it, it really really does. And like again not physical you should never slap someone. You should yeah yeah and like as a as a person who like works with other people and is a team leader at times like i would never like good job is in fact a great great phrase you know people deserve to have you know to be recognized for good work like and i think that that is very very important Um, but i also think that at times it's okay to be a a little mean so
0: joshua i just want to let you know that you are in fact at my tempo
1: Oh, you're on tempo with
0: me too, fam. Raise the glass, buddy.
1: To the birds. To the birds.
0: Hallelujah. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the show this week. We are racing towards the end of our first season, and we got just a few more special episodes left for you. Please give us a like and or follow on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, and we will see you next time, friends. Thank you.